Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon looking at funny looking loose. <laughs> funny looking. Yes, funny looking. Why? Well, because we were just talking about you looking funny. Because nope. you you were making fun of me for doing something before we went hot on the mic. Yes. <laughs> and you said that I, you were going to go live on the mic. So I when said, there are funny. mics and cameras around, there's stuff you shouldn't do, whether you think you're I live know, or I not. I know, but I knew we weren't live. I know, but you never know. This is true. Yeah. That's why I, before I speak to you about things, I always make sure everything <laughs> in the room is off. <laughs> um. Good morning. Good morning. I, I'm very, can you hear my nasally congested annoyance? Yeah, the Canadian fires are getting to you. Yeah. I'm going to cough because last week I had a cold, which is still lingering. And now the fires with the orange haze all over yeah. my car, I thought it was pollen. And I'm like, oh, that's not pollen. Well, see, my car is gold. So I haven't yeah, seen my, it. yeah, it's gold. Yeah. My whole car is covered in yeah. gold soot. Isn't that crazy? Sunset was nice last night. You what? Oh, yeah, I know. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. It was it, the past couple nights has been a, weird, right? Yep. Looks like we're in, the, in a scene from The Last of Us. You ever seen the show The Last? I Christ? haven't yet. My daughter keeps trying to get me to oh, watch it. Oh, it's really, really good. But yeah, it literally says. looks like we're in The Last of Us, <laughs> which is kind of a pop apocalyptic. Yep. You got to watch it. Oh, by the way, it was very rainy this weekend, and and I had a tendency to not. I never do this, but I actually sat down and binge watch something, which I never do. All right, what was it? Condor. Oh no! Don't know. Really it. good. Yeah. So good. I highly recommend Condor. Okay. Um, so good. So so good. And and I I only watched the first season, all, all ten episodes. Yeah. So that oh, tells well. you how rainy it was Happens. this weekend. Yeah. But um, but I haven't watched the second season because why? I didn't realize until last night that there was a second season. I was like, oh no. And I looked in the forecast to see when there was another rainy day, because that's a lot of TV, yep. which I never do or have time for, but it was lovely. It's very good. So I highly recommend it. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I have seen some, but not. I, I know. It's a freaking Everyone, masterpiece. I know. I, I know. And do you watch Shrinking? I have not. You told me I should watch it. I haven't watched it yet. A couple other people. Only said one season so far, but you'll love it. Okay. Yep. I will do that. Well, I have to have time. That's why I was like, this was a thing this weekend. It's about a bunch of psychologists. I know that. With Harrison Ford being one of them. I, I, and he's I, brilliant. Yep. I know. I have, I have heard all about it. I just have. Okay. And it's Here's a Ted a Lasso topic. group. When do I have time? I know, I understand. Right? So it's so this is important. Like, when do we have time to fit all these things in? Why do we not have time? Because we're overwhelmed with all the things we have to do. Yep. So when we actually sit down and do something that's nothing, we feel like we should be doing something. I'm watching these episodes at 1230 at night. Oh, see, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. No, because that's I have to. And it's like once a week, I guess I got to fit this in because then the spoilers start coming up. And oh, you, and you, know, you don't want to. I see. You got to fit them in. Yeah, I don't even have time to even see a spoiler or hear about one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that doesn't matter to me, right? Yeah. The fact that Condor came out in 2018 to 20, and I didn't even know. <laughs> Condor, huh? Good um, yes. So, um, oh, and then and then I was going to tell you, I was you missed it because Lou Lou this morning texted me and said he might be late for once because yeah. of traffic and an accident. So I was like, oh, I have time, and it bought me time. So the other day, I wrenched my back which never happens wow ask me how how i don't know all i do is walk yeah i know <laughs> i have back spasm occasionally I'm... and it never it's never anything i did it's not like there's an event like i'm trying to pick something up or something oh. it's just i get off the couch and it's like well it's i got out of i got yeah. out of the car like normal yep and i brought a couple groceries nothing like extraordinary yep. and then like two or three minutes later all of a sudden i was like oh my god yep. my back i was like oh i'm Either getting old, which I'm not, right? That's how it happens. I'm just to me. catching it before you give it to me. No, no, no. Okay. So I'm either getting old or I don't know. I just, but it was so painful. I thought I was going to be on the floor. No, in fact, that was a big turning point in my life because one time I got these spasms so bad, like I was, I had to get assistance to get out of the bed. Oh. So I ended up at the chiropractor. And she, and I, my whole thing was, I'm old. This is going to happen. I got to pay attention to this. And she fixed me. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not age. Maybe it's just me being an idiot. So, well, there was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just like changed. You know, I thought I was in that thing where I was getting old and these things are going to start to happen. And then she just changed my whole mindset. Yes. Well, it, it's not because I'm old. I'm yeah. sure that I no. did a twisty turny thing or something. I don't know, but I know it hurt. And then now it's lingering. Yep. So it's passing. So I tried to run this morning and it's like jostling it. And it's like, ugh. so 
Yes. Do you do chiropractors? I do. Okay. I do, but I don't, I don't think I need my lovely chiropractor for this one. Dr. Calhoun, the one that I had on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I don't think I need him for this one. I think that this is just requiring, you know, normal rolling and BOSU balling and but when I have these, I go for an alignment just to be sure, because I don't go regularly. And then she does the uh, stimulus. Oh, yeah. The muscle stimulus. Yes. And that works freaking wonders. Yes. I love that. Well, again, it comes back to, I'd have to have time to go to, to anybody to see yeah, anybody for anything. That's the beauty of it, though. It's more, the stimulus I love because I get to put my face down on the table for 15 minutes and I, I can't answer the phone. I can't, no one wants to talk so to me. It's a way to get away. The new era music is going on. There, oh, John's know? telling me to go. Yeah, yeah. See Doctor Mike. Yeah. Why yeah, because he doesn't want to have to massage cream on my back anymore. <laughs> ben Gay. Well. <laughs> so he doesn't yeah. want to have to. So he's like, go see Doctor Mike. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm I'm gonna just self care it, and well, hopefully I'm supposed, an to, run a, I'm supposed to run a anyway. twenty mile race this weekend. Are you? I well, it's Wednesday. 20. We'll see how it goes. Do, on Saturday, been, I'm supposed to run on Saturday a 20 mile huge race. Have you set up for this, or are you just? Am I set up for it? I mean, mean have you I been? Trained? Have you been training towards it? Well, I just did a marathon a month ago. That was a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I'm yes, I'm trained. Okay. I mean, I'm not as. <laughs> is perfect. that it? The 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 Boston Marathon was your training? No. Oh. Well, that is pretty good training, but I I've been. I took time off and then I went back to it. So I'm in, I'm in shape for it. All I'm right. not necessarily going to be a superstar at it, but I'm going to do it. Well, I'm going to do it provided I'm not back injured. We'll see. Mm. You need an occasional Between My allergies, my yeah. cough, my cold, and my back injury. We'll see. My foot's fine now. No, good. <laughs> and I have no frostbite currently. So even though it's like 55 degrees out. I know, right? You need an occasional alignment anyway, so you should go. You said what? You need an occasional alignment anyway, so you should go. Oh, yes, I do. I haven't been in a while. I will go. I will call him in a year and get it done. <laughs> Listen, my primary care visit is until next year. I was supposed to be this year, but she's so busy. I couldn't get it until next year. So it's all good. What if your patients listen to you like you listen to me? I, you're not my doctor. That's true. So I don't need to listen to you. <laughs> but I know to, I know how to fix everything I've ever broken. Back, oh. back is one of those things. So. Well, I know how to fix everything I hurt yeah. and diagnose it. Mm -hmm. okay. it's, just, it's just a strain. I'm fine. Okay. I'll get readjusted. I'll go get a massage. I have time for that somewhere. Oh, yeah. See, that'll work. On Sunday, mm -hmm. maybe. So anyway, so Lou. <laughs> yes. So um, <clears throat> I we were fiddling around just at the beginning of the show because we were fiddling around in the room because a, a pro in the business from Canada, my friend Frank Griffiths, yeah. had emailed me the other day. Took time out from fighting the fires. Well, he's he's not fighting fires. Okay. He he does live in Canada, but he's yeah. he's older. He's an older gentleman, and he was he was in my wedding years ago, and I love him to death. And he was in the industry. Yep. And he made a point to email me the other day to say, you have a lovely voice and I love seeing you and on and on. And then he said, but you need to get the boom mics away from your face. Yeah. And he sees the, the lovely room that we're in and he's like, Oh, the sound. All so he gave us all these suggestions. So right before the show, Lou and I were, I was fascinated about it. Trying to do tried the suggestions out. he yeah. made. And, and so Frank, if you're listening, we tried and then it made it because he doesn't know that there's a, a gaping window that we have that sucks in the air, makes the, room the window and a bare wall behind and a, and you. And a so bare it's... wall behind me that all the sound stuff that's around What was around his name? Me. Frank? Frank. Frank, there's a lot of room. When I did it that way, heard a lot of room. Yeah. So he'll know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. So, so we can't do it, but we can, we can, but it just doesn't sound as good. Right. Right. Yes. I couldn't hear it because I was not on your side, but you said yeah. it did not sound as good. No. So, a lot of room sound. So I just moved my face away from the mic so that I could yeah. be seen we better. We cleared the he shot. He suggested me getting away from the mic so yeah. that he could see my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Frank, for your yeah. lovely information and professional stuff. It was fun to try out. Yeah, it was good. And you were very fascinated. And you were like, oh, let's see. Yeah. And then what did we change? The lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little bit. So speaking of all these little things, mm -hmm. it brings me to the topic, part of the topic for today is perfectionism Ooh. and people pleasing. Okay. 
Okay. Are those related subjects? Well, I think that they kind of are in some ways. They have they have roots that are similar. I have selected perfectionism. Selective for oh, this should be interesting. Before I start into it, let's hear about this. Go ahead, Lou. So, no. what is selective perfectionism? This will be a new DSM five diagnostic code. Go. Oh, really? Mm. Uh, because with myself, with work, for example, when I'm dealing with other people, I want to get my part right. Okay. Because I don't want anything landing on me. You know, right. it's, it's protectionism. So it's like I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do it as well as possible. So if this all goes to hell in a handbasket, they're not coming at me for it. Well, you do that at home too. I do that at home too. No. Yeah. No, not as much. Really? I think you do. Yeah. Not so much. Oh. Because I own the place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, so so you selectively think that you have perfectionism at work. So it's not like I'm, I'm a perfectionist with everything, but it, the stuff that I'm responsible for. How about that? Okay. It's based right. on my so responsibilities. So all the other stuff can just go I want to take care of my responsibility. No, it just doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if it's not perfect, what happens? The stuff, my professionalism? Well, yes. Then well, I that's get, what we're talking about. Then I get grief. Keep up. Then I get grief and I don't want grief. Because what I know, but oh my God, this is, is this the kind of therapy patient you are? You don't pay attention. And what does that do for you? Like if it gives you grief, what does it cause for you when you're people pleasing and you're perfectionist and it fails? It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me stressed. It ruins my peace of mind, which is oh, the only goal right now. Right. So it makes you feel bad about yourself. Yes. Okay. That's the point. I let people down. Right. Yeah. Okay. Did you let people down really? Oh, I have. Well, yeah. if you hadn't made it into the show today, I would have been very disappointed. My other job, my other job, I made a mistake that I didn't know was a mistake. So it wasn't like you I, intentionally I screwed did it. up. Right. No, I didn't know it was a mistake, but it ended up with emails being crossed between my boss and the boss of the his boss and the boss in another city. And it's like, Whoa. oh, there were emails all over the place on this and one. So is that why you're not there anymore? <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm still there. <laughs> I don't know how much longer, but I'm still there. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. But it's like, that was a perfect example because I just want to go do my job and go home and be low profile. Oh. And I didn't want emails flying around from three different companies because, because of this action. Oh. Yeah. Now I'm going to be interested to hear about what this action is after. Yeah. It's really now. kind of innocuous, but yeah. I, I'm sure. Well, see, okay. So that's a perfect point. So when we talk about perfectionism or you know or people pleasing and trying to get that out there is that oftentimes the things that are mistakes right they're mm -hmm. they're innocuous but in our in a perfectionist mind in our head it's huge yeah. it's so catastrophic and um debilitating for a lot of people i mean there's a certainly a continuum of perfectionism um and people pleasing but by and large if you're a full-on perfectionist and people pleaser there's such a a grander scale of of it, you know making everything a mountain I, I, yeah. I tell my clients I said so everything's Mount Kilimanjaro instead of it being like a pebble on the beach and you know so uh, and usually that's you know I do the visuals just to get that mindset that okay if everything is Mount Kilimanjaro how can we possibly ever climb mountains and and or just get over little humps because right. we just think everything has to be so perfect and if everything has to be so perfect how can it possibly ever get done truly because there is is there i mean it's kind of sort of a philosophical thing is there truly perfect no no right and but that's a hard concept for people in general i think to to get in their head because they feel that they're people who are perfectionists just feel that there is a perfect but it's in the eye of the beholder if it's something you're looking at or if it's something, you know, materialistically or, you know, if you're doing coding, like I have a couple of clients that are coders for, for you know, gaming and stuff like that, yeah. which I don't know if you have to be perfect, but I I'm, I know there's millions, I've learned there's millions of close. different ways yeah. you yeah. have to be really close to it, but it doesn't have to be perfect because it can go different ways. But I mean, certainly um, there's certain things that are spot on, like there's only one answer, like math or physics or things like that. But then... Then I'm challenged with, well, but there's other things outside of that with the exceptions to the rule. So, but when you're talking about the person being perfectionistic and people pleasing, there's a sense of um, that fear, the internal fear at the root of being rejected and 
not approved of and not good enough and a failure, even in, but it's in the person's eyes that is feeling that way. <laughs> they think that the other person is going to feel the, that way about them. Yeah. So it's that meta thought or the metacognition of, I think that you think that I'm doing something poorly or I'm not good enough or I'm not enough. Now, many times people self-impose that. It's like a prison that they put themselves in. And I always think of perfectionism as being that like little prison cell because it's so hard for people to break out of because it's an OCD thing. It's mm -hmm. like you obsessively yep. think about how to be better and better and better. Um, and no amount of approval and no amount of unconditional love and no amount of praise will ever really feel fulfilling enough because the person's right. perfectionism is, is so deep. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, so it's a struggle for a lot of, and I, I find that there's a lot of people more and more, especially in the past, probably 20, well, I've been almost, I've been doing this ugh, for 27 years. So in the past three decades, and, and even in psych research, it would say that the last three decades of, of kids coming up through are much more perfectionistic than before. Um, which is interesting because we have such a trend of unmotivated, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. So it's, it's yeah. so weird that it's like, it's such a, um, opposite, uh, finding, but there's a trend of perfectionism, which sort of makes sense of some of the unmotivated tries out there, because if you're unmotivated, um, could it be because you're so perfectionistic that you just don't try because it's not, not going to be good enough. So you give up. I mean, right. There's a couple of little yeah. theories on that. So, you know, we have many conversations on the show about, um, people who kids and, and adults and, and young adults who don't have motivation to get themselves going and do things or have entitlement and all these things. I think that a lot of the perfectionistic pieces go into that, that it has to be a certain thing. Like I have kids, kids, 20 year olds that will tell me like, I'm not going to take that job because it's not, it's not what I want to do in life. And it's not, you know, so it's not perfect enough. It's not a perfect enough job. So instead of right. saying, I'll work at McDonald's for, by the way, $18 an hour these days yeah, or 25, yeah. right. For a shift manager, um, they would, they, well, that's not what I want to do. It's not perfect enough. I have a client right now that constantly says, well, that's not a perfect job for me. But I'm like, you're 20, yeah. he's 22. This is not like, going to be 22, your job. We're not, yeah. we're, we're yeah. just getting money. Yep. We just need money. Yep. And so, but it's, he's, he uses that word all the time. It's not perfect for me because, so I'm thinking, well, you, and I said to him, I said, you're going to be 30 in eight years and it's still not going to be perfect enough. What are you looking for? Yep. Um, so it's that mindset that I think goes into all those, those pieces. But what it comes down to is people being at the root is that feeling of right at the root of childhood, of course, of feeling like low self-esteem, feeling um, very dependent. So the roots of people-pleasing and perfectionism are intertwined in the dependent personality and people getting pushed into being very dependent on the applause, essentially, yep. of others and, um, and self-applause because they don't no, they have such low self-esteem that they don't know how to give themselves the a, you know, the add a girl or the add a boy, and they look for it from others, and then they keep pursuing it. It keeps getting reinforced that the more that they do, that's perfect, then they think that they'll get more reinforcement of, yeah, you did good, but it never really comes, right. and that's the downfall because what it does is it makes the person become more dependent, intensely more dependent on the other the parent or the teacher or whoever, the coach, to be constantly performing to a level that they just will never hit. Goes back to last week's conversation about expectation. Yep. They have an expectation internally of themselves, personally, but also that's possibly externally driven by people around them and socially reinforced that, well, it's not good enough. Right? You see it in sports all the time. Yeah. So if I, if I just use all my athletes, most of them have a streak of this in them sure. to some degree because they're either doing something to the intensity of them themselves to be at a certain level and being hard on themselves in lieu of a coach doing it, or they have themselves and their coach, or they have the coach. So it's, it's, or they have parents and coaches and doing it. So right. it just depends. And then of course my high level athletes that are like my Olympians and my, um, my pro athletes, they often have, they have then they have media and they have the bigger world pressure on them of right. you know it's yeah. you know you make a misstep and it's like the end of the world remember like when simone biles 
backed out of the Olympics essentially because she stepped away because she was getting the twisties, you know, people, she had, thank God she had the, the mind set of being able to hold herself together and not fall apart and had good resiliency and didn't get into, um, what I see a lot of athletes do is they fall apart because their perfectionism gets in the way and then they'll go and do it anyway and not step away and they'll get hurt or something will happen or, um, they'll make a misstep and then they do fail, so to speak. They don't do well instead of just backing out and saying, I I'm done. It was way better for her to back out for her and, and have like, I'm not going to put myself at risk and the, the team. And she did something really good, but man, she got criticized for yeah. that. And if you remember, she, you know, well, people, that's not what we promote, right. especially with athletes. Right. And, and it was really great because she was like, she was on the heels of the tennis player that had done something similar. Yeah. And, and so, so she, when she did it, by the time it got to her, people did give her some backlash, but then a hundred more thousands of people came out and supported her because it was now being seen that, wait a second, we shouldn't expect this from, this is a human being. This is a person who made her own call about, this is not going to work for me. This is not, my head's not in the right space. I have to back out and I don't care what anyone thinks. Mm -hmm. And that's such a good thing for people to get to. And I would say that a lot of the basis of clients that come into therapy in general, you know, anecdotally with anxiety disorders or any kind of anxiety, it's usually based with some stream of, of, work excuse me of worry about what other people are thinking what other people are going to think um and what a person thinks about themselves because of that but it's a fine line between a teenager you talked about who said this isn't my perfect job and her who said this isn't the this event isn't set up for me right yeah it's not perfect for me so there's a that's a very small space in between right outwardly that's a lot of it's small space well, yeah. So, well, I mean, so they're on the continuum, right? So, yeah. the, so the kid, the 22 year old that says it's not, it's not the perfect thing for me. So I'm going to wait. Right. I mean, it's so one, I, it could be a stall tactic because they don't want to work because there's an entitlement piece there, which happens. Yeah. Um, but also it is that perfectionistic thing of like, they know that they want to do this one thing, which the thing that they, this particular client, and I have a couple of clients like this, that what they want to do is sort of a pie in the sky dream. Totally. They should go for it. But I always tell them they have to have a couple backup plans yep. and they need to be doing it at the same time, because if they wait for the opportunity to happen to them, the opportunity might not come because they're not actually manifesting the, they're not manifesting it. They're right. just sitting yep. waiting for it. Um, and I think the perfectionistic piece of like, well, if I'm not waiting for it, then the, the, their mindset is the opportunity will pass me and then I won't have it. And so yeah. therefore, because I was working. Yeah. It's yeah. so it, right. It, but, yep. but it's the mind game that someone plays with themselves to be able to justify, make the reasoning for whatever they're doing. It's also a way perfectionism also keeps people away from, you know, it's that fear of failure. So it's, it's based in fear of failure. Um, and the rejection of humiliating oneself. So yep. people try to really reach that bar and they miss the bar um, for a variety of reasons. Um, I mean, I'm going to use gymnasts again. Gymnasts are often expected to be at such a high level of performance or ice skaters or, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's the reverse bar for, for, for athletes in that way, because we started a point system that we have to, it's, it's, it, we start at the top and then it just starts to do, decrease. So you started a perfect score, but then mm. you lose. So it's an incremental yeah. shift of how imperfect you are, um, based on a, a bent knee. Yeah. That's a, interesting. A, yeah. A, 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 a small foot movement, uh, you know, anything that's and then it starts perfect. So your perfect score, that's, I mean, they use those words. It's a perfect score. It used to be based on the perfect 10. Now it's not, but it used to be that. And now it's, well, you know, there's this 10th off and that 10th off and these 10ths off and all that stuff. It's funny because it's structured that way. In other words, you start the event with, um, you start the event with a perfect score, right? You're assumed perfect. And right. then you're just, everything's just deducted off. Of, right. Off of that. And so it's, it's incrementally telling you how imperfect yep. you are. Unlike most other sports where you're starting at zero and you're building. Well, you're building up. Yeah. Right. So, so, so it's interesting about how the sports that are really, they, they are pushing for the, the decrease of, of mental health 
worthiness, <laughs> right? So skating's like that. Um, gymnastics is like yep. that. Dance competitions are like that. Like anything that's performing is so it's performance art, you know? So yep. you don't have, you know, you score a touchdown, you score a basket, you're scoring upwards, you're getting right. better at. Um, so there's lots of accolades for that, but you, in the other sports, you're getting less than. Yep. So it's similar. Like if you're, it's so schools, school systems set up the same way, right? hundred yep. is your scale. And then you go backwards. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, not I think, I know that like the Montessori system and a lot of the charter school systems, they go on the point systems of just like one, two, three, four, five means something. So it's not, you can't earn you know, you don't start at a five and go down. It's right. you have to meet standard. And you're, if you're at standard, you're at sort of the level of expectation. And then anything above and beyond is great. So it sets a different mindset. And I think that there's a lot of success that comes out of that baseline of, of um, Montessori schools and the charter schools and kind of the hands-on approach to application of subjects and real, you know, rather than the standard kind of the public school regular system, not to knock the public school system, but it's just a, it's a, I'll do it. Okay. It's a consequential <laughs> yeah. system with conditions versus yep. the other school sides that are, you know, much more supportive and the authoritative kind of uh, parenting essentially going on around them in a school system, right? Mm -hmm. It's yep. high expectation within reason of the developmental age, not pushing perfectionism, just pu pushing the kid to their, their best possible ability right. and then rewarding, not being cheesy and schlocky and cliche, but rewarding with good, good job. And like, let's yeah. now let's build on it. Not like, Oh, you, you know, you didn't get a hundred, you got a 94. What happened? You know, that, that kind of thing. It's like, well, wait a second. It's you, you met the expectation. So that's what it, it, interesting. I'm getting off on a tangent a little bit, but still trying to stay there. The MCAS now here in Massachusetts, we yeah. have the MCAS. Now people hate the MCAS, but the MCAS it has an initial good base of like, that's what it was trying to aim for is that do kids meet an expectation just so that people know how, how well they have learned at each stage essentially. And by the time they get to 10th grade, they're supposed to be able to have mastered these things so they can at least graduate. Um, <laughs> Kate hates MCAS. Everybody hates MCAS. Well, you yeah. talked about kids and teenagers. They're dealing with that kind of thing and their quote unquote success and imperfection is quantified. Yes. I mean, it's, to, it's in their face all the time. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. And, and probably to Kate's comment that it's so, it was based in good things to, to, sure. to, to, to constantly, to not be consequential, to not be punishing, to not, but it is a punishment and it is a, it's a reinforcer of we're not, we're not learning new things. We're only learning to take the test. Right. And that, and that is like, I always call it, that's the dance recital, like schools, right? <laughs> They don't teach the dance. They just teach dance all year to make sure the recital at the end of the year is really good. So the kids never learn anything new. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yep. Right. So it's the same thing. MCAS is teaching, you know, initially it was supposed to be teaching just, you know, you, the teachers yep. would teach and whatever and they take the test and whatever. But now they're teaching to the MCAS so that they have good scores because now it gets all convoluted in with the politics of the funding of the school and classes and how they rank in the country and all this stuff. And that makes really a lot of pressure for perfectionists because I have kids now, I mean, MCAS last month was going on all the time right before the end of school. Right. So kids were coming in all month long in May going, I'm so anxious over MCAS. I'm so anxious. People, kids, kids weren't yep. sleeping. Kids were throwing yeah. up all this stress over. And I kept saying, it's, it's an inconsequential test. Like your fifth grade, <laughs> like yeah. you're, there's no fail. Just go and just take it and just be, you know, but it's so hard because you hear your friends, you hear your friends good enough is put on that. What you hear your friend's scores, you hear your brother's score, you hear your sister's score and you're constantly being compared and you're constantly compared against perfection too. And it's, it's like, again, when your success or failure is quantified and there's a scoreboard, I mean, you know, that's what athletes have to deal with all the time, but right. You know, eight, eighth grade kids shouldn't have to deal with it. Well, and the, and the pressure increasing, right, gets as you're going up through to ninth grade and you have to have that 10th grade mastery. And so that's what they're, you know, and it's it's constantly talked about, yep. like right from the beginning of the school year, the you know, and kids get sent home over the summer. I've already got kids with packets for the summer that are reading and math geared 
towards the MCAS for next year. Yeah. And it's, and I've seen that just go more and more. And all it does is stress out. Remember well, when we were going to school, I remember just, we did have reading lists and we had things to do, but it was not to, yeah. it wasn't to teach to a test. It was just to keep us engaged in our learning and our heads and things like that for the summer. Well, now but, funding is tied to it. So funding falls on the shoulders of the kids. And, right. You know. So, and so that's the thing yeah. is that it's, there's these very, um, it's very disenfranchising, I think right? Yeah. Of, of kids' success or people's success because it's that perfectionistic thing that's being put out there that you have to have the score that quantifies your value. And if you don't, then you're a failure because essentially that's what happens. You can't, pa you can't get through high school without doing this test. And by the way, it's part of the homogenization of public schools in that like my son and my daughter were two different people, right. smart in their own ways. My son was totally locked into public school systems and all that stuff and did well. My daughter needed a different way of learning. She just learned a different way, thought a different way. I mean, she was brilliant, but you know, it didn't show up in, in the type, in the exact channel that public school was going in. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so, so it's, so you have to wonder like all these, not wonder you, you would ask, what is the, what is the benefit? What's the cost benefit ratio here for, for people and kids yep. doing this? Yeah, well, that's what that's if you're assuming the goal and the only goal is the education of the kids. And unfortunately, public school systems have gotten to a point where there are other goals or other things to consider. There's other considerations. So it's not always about the best route for education. Right. Well, and and I but I think that, the, you know, because so kids spend so much time of their lives in education and many most people spend it in public education that the push for perfectionism is so much more yeah. than it used to be in yep. different in different ways but it's so much more i mean i was pushed for perfectionism because of my sport and because of who my family was as as a family but i'm <clears throat> that was you know that was that selective space but i think in general kids around me certainly weren't like that I mean, Michelle and I've talked about it. Michelle McLizzie and I've talked about it. She was like that too, because she was in my family space and my, in my gym. So she had the same dynamic, but unless you're in something like that, you're not getting that. And I think that now it's much more broad as an expectation that, you yep. know, whether you're on social media and you have to look, you have to look like Kim Kardashian Yep. or you have to, you know, be, you have to wear certain clothing item way more than it used to be. I mean, I grew up certainly in, and if people had their trends of like what they were wearing and whatever, but way different now. Yeah. I mean, you're either wearing Hollister or you're wearing American Eagle or you're, there's something that you have to be following or else you're not perfect enough because right. it's status and it shows that you have money or you don't have money or you come from some part of the, the town and not the other. So it's a, I think it's bigger and broader and it's so much pressure on people. And that shapes people into the adults. They are of like, what job is going to define you? Is it going to be enough? You know, do you do you have to go to college that pressured the go to the perfectionism of going to college when kids don't want to necessarily go to college they want to do something vocational i'm very uh very strong on pro um proposing gap years for some kids and also for vocational training and going out and just doing like right out of vocational school go right into work and get that experience and keep doing it because that that person's already flourishing in that why put the pressure on yeah. the other thing doesn't mean you can't be successful and i think people certainly do think that without a college education, people can't be successful, but that's you talked not true, about, you, but you have to really, it's a different route. Talked about the social pressures and we talked about the public school pressures, but when you start to get to college age and you have the pressure of getting into the school that you want to get into, and that has to do with scores. It has to do with other activities that you right. have to somehow fill out. You, your parents are pushing you to get scholarships in different areas because right. they can't afford to send you to the school that everyone wants you to go to. If you get in, it's like, I mean, Think of the it's such so much judgment and so much intense pressure there. Right. Because you're constantly you're being judged on your scores. You're being judged on your lifestyle. Right. You're volunteering. You're being judged on your ability and your, your scholarship area. You know, it's a constant evaluation. You're being judged constantly. Well, and 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 to, to the point of the scholarship. So I have kids that get scholarships and full rides and I have at least once a year. And I've already got my one this year. 
I think I actually have two that are going to take the scholarship just because it's their freshman year and go. And they've already told me they're going to tap out. Yep. <laughs> like they're, they're not telling their, their families. They're just like, yeah. I'm going to go and I'm going to tap out. I'm like, and they have like $30,000 of scholarship, the full ride. Yep. Like I'm going to go for the first, first year. And, and I'm hoping. Does that ensure the full ride? They do the first year or well they're, they're not, they're not the gonna of... tell that they're not doing anything yeah. else they're not but i'm i'm hoping that they'll stay that yeah. they're just i think that they're so they're feeling so pressured to do this perfect choice to go into this thing that they have to because they got a full ride yep. that they're just going to go and then prove to everyone that it just isn't for them and i'm thinking they're going to get in start and then they're going to either like it or they're going to feel compelled because they won't be able to break the ties from from the perfectionistic handcuffs of what right. the expectation is around them so they're going to keep doing it or they'll enjoy it and really stay and, and enjoy it i've given them both options and said here's what here's what could happen and they're they're both about like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna show everybody that i can't do it i assume you're talking about sports yes so in a sports situation you grew up loving the sport and playing the sport because right. you love it and achieving. And then at a certain point you get into the scholarship range and it right. becomes an obligation, right. changes your whole viewpoint of the right. sport. But to your point, if they go in and start, right. they probably rejoin into that. I love playing the sport, right. thing. especially if they have some success early and you know, they're probably anxious about being able to play at that level and find this, this space there. And once they do, you know, the love of the sport comes back a little bit, hopefully. Right. Well, and, and I think, well, when I was coming up through, I got a full ride and I chose to stop doing the sport mm. because it was a lot of pressure. I didn't want to continue. I was, yep. I was burnt. I was done, but I had a full ride and it was really hard to let go of that because it wasn't about letting go of the sport. Cause I still stayed in the sport, but I had to let go of that obligation because it was so much pressure wow. to continue on at that high level. And that's why they took, they were taking me. Is because they wanted me on their team and I just didn't want, I still went to the, I still went, but I just didn't take the ride. So, yeah. but you had a longer burn path than a lot of athletes. In other words, you were always expected to compete at a high level yes. and were burnt out on that. When kids are coming up in their college scholarship type of athletes, right. they excel in eighth grade, ninth grade, they excel in high school. Right. It's enjoyable because they're excelling. And then right. as the level goes up, it gets harder and more, you know, more demanding. Right. And, and then to, then to, and to be the, you know, like you see the athletes now come up, you know, either the swimmers or the, you know, it's usually swimmers, skaters, um, hockey players, softball players, things like that. And they're at the high level. And then they come into college, yeah. that perfectionistic expectation of the D1 schools of all the school D2 too. And, but the D1ers are like, the pressure on them yeah. on to to be an anchor to the team like that that was the pressure on me is that i was going to come in as an anchor to the team because of my level i didn't want that yeah. i didn't want that anymore and it was a hard it was a hard decision not because i was giving up the sport i knew i was going to stay in it in some degree because i'm doing this for a living and stuff yep. but i was like i don't want that i don't want that anymore i don't want the perfectionistic pressure of having to you know hold the whole weight of a team on my shoulders it's an, not in your case, but in a lot of cases, it's a death of self type thing, too. Yes. Because if you went through high school as a star, right, then you end up in a D1 team and you're just a guy, right? You know, or just a girl that, that requires a whole rewiring because you probably loved being a star, an athletic star, right? Yeah, right. Well, and I think, and I think that I think that's really hard. And you see a lot of people because they're not the star, because the and in, in the they, their people pleasing gets in the way. They yep. go and do it for the wrong reason. And then they burn out because they aren't the star or because it's harder to work with five stars on the team because you have to find your, you have to jockey for your position. And that's a lot of work. Yep. Plus be in school and be social and, you know, all the things. Yep. And it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's hard work. And people, I don't think people that are not athletes or that are not, um, doing those kinds of things it's not the same as just academics academics are very competitive yep. but people aren't doing all the things they're just doing academics yeah. so i see like engineering students when i was at when i went to umass amherst the engineering students that i mean they lived and breathed engineering and that was it they didn't know they didn't do any sport <laughs> they didn't do anything else yeah. you, they had there was a dorm for engineering and most often time it was the well 
it was always the highest rate of suicide on campus was all oh, that got you wow. going yeah. was, the, was in that dorm. Wow. Yep. The engineering department. This is years ago. Now I don't know if that's changed, but you would at least at least one a semester back in my day. What? Yes. One a semester. Yep. Wow. I'm not kidding. I, that's anecdotal because I just was. I lived there. I just. Yeah. Know, I don't know what their stats were. I mean, I don't know if they had more, but I had, I, no, I had no idea there was mm -hmm. that type of thing going on. Because of the pressure, the the. So I had friends that were in the dorm. And but they didn't do anything social. It was very rare. Like they would be in some classes, but they would talk about like what they were doing all their all their time. And it was so much pressure because mm -hmm. it was all math and science, and it was just intense, intense, intense. And you just never get a let up. And and most of the people that I knew were talking about how their parents were pressuring them. Yeah, like that their mom and dads were engineers, or yeah. so, and they had to be because if they failed, it was a disgrace to the family, or it was shameful, or all these things. There were some cultural things in there as well, but it was a big thing. Sure. So it was, and I don't know. I don't know if that's going on as much as it used to because I think they have way more psychological interventions in school. They push kids now in college to have to have a broader spectrum of classes that are in those programs that are not just focused on those things. So they give them a break. Um, but I don't know because I haven't looked at the statistics, but I'm sure they're out. I know that they're out there around that. Those are lines you have to be aware of while you're supporting your child. Right. And helping them achieve a goal. And it may be following your footsteps, maybe an engineer's son becoming an engineer right and you support them as much as possible you have to avoid putting that type of that's going to lead to suicide obviously but you have to avoid putting that kind of pressure on with the support and it, that can be a fine line too can't well yeah i mean it is but it's it doesn't start it starts so early yeah. on right like if you watch did you see the kid that won the spelling bee no. last week no did you even know the the no. big spelling bee for the u.s was last no. week come no. on lou Jeez, got to keep up with these the things. Yeah, the Ted Lasso. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So the 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 child, and he's I don't even know how old he was, but he was on TV for winning, mm -hmm. and and it was funny because he was being interviewed by like Savannah Guthrie and um, Hoda Kotb from Today Show, right? And yeah. I was watching because I was I was getting ready, and I had to come out and watch the kid because I hadn't seen who won, and I I was like, oh, this is going to be very right on trend about how this kid acts. Yeah. Right. And they asked him like, what makes you, what makes you have the motivation to study eight hours? Cause they had heard he studied eight hours a day. Oh He'd lost the spelling bee a couple years in a row. Yeah. Right. And, and so very flat affect, like no facial, any expressions, not because he's any disorder, but because he's just, you could just see the intensity of like, I'm a walking robot. I do that. You know, you can yep. see it in him and right out of his mouth. I expected it. And I giggled to myself because I'm like, oh, it's coming about it's well, it's because my parents and I, ah, they're bombed out. Yep. And I just, you know, and the, you know, the, the two anchors were smiling, but you can feel them tension because he was, it was like pulling teeth to get him to answer anything that wasn't yep. out of the robot yeah. automaton. And he was, let's say he was like 11 or maybe 12. I don't know, but he was, you know, no, like you'd think he won. Yay. Happy. And no, it was, you know, brief smile, but it was all about, well, I did this because my parents support me and my parents and my parents and, and that's, and yep. unfortunately I have a lot of that in my practice all throughout my career of this is what I see. It's, you know, the kid, the kid needs therapy, but the parents need it more <laughs> because they're imparting this, this thing. And then they'll be like, I don't put any pressure on my child. It's like, Mm. it's i'm interested in your thoughts on this because we're at that time of year again and that just triggered this for me i get upset at the little league world series every year uh-huh on national tv on mm -hmm. espn these kids it's no pressure too much for them it's you know some kid make lets a ball go through his legs in the little league world series and it's on national tv and it's like yep. this is nuts this is nuts this isn't some of it too much spelling bee <coughs> nationally broadcast somewhere i would imagine it was right yeah, yeah. Yes. big national news it's too much for these kids well i mean i think on some level so of course i'm biased because when i was that age i was doing things yeah. nationally right so right. yeah so i think on some level it's good in terms of 
helping if, if it's done in the right right i use that air quoting if it's done in a healthy way and there are ways to do this healthfully and if you yeah, have not on good, espn well for one thing yeah. but it's it's not about the being on espn it's about how's the coach or the team itself as a structure handling the the fame so to speak for lack of a better word of the kids being there and doing this and are they set up for whether you win or lose we're all good yeah. Right. It's it's you know, so it depends on that. Now, the cultures of the teams. I mean, I I don't know anything about the I, well, we had one come from Massachusetts last year, mm -hmm. but I don't know anything usually about those teams because they're, you don't ever hear about them. And all of a sudden, boom, they're on TV. <laughs> so I don't know enough about the culture of those particular teams that end up making it. But I'm hopeful that at least let's well, say 50 percent of them, because that would be probably about how much I see in my practice. It's healthy. 50 percent of the team has a structure that's healthy, that they go in and you do your best. We're going in. We're going to play well. Don't worry about all these things like. And I think that that's there because that's more of the culture that we've been trying to promote in sports psych in general, in, in, in athleticism for youth building and mm -hmm. like all the youth building teams now to really try to do that. Now, they're certainly my selected clientele are coming to me because there's not that I, I usually am dealing with the coaches, this and the coaches saying these terrible, awful, shameful things. And they're not, you know, or they're perfectionistic yeah. and expect this and the kid wants to quit like that kind of stuff. Well, I don't put it on the coaches because, and the, by the way, the telecast, well, I'm talking about the structure of like yeah. the whole team. Well, they've telecast some of these conversations on the field and stuff like that, right. which is a whole nother oh, level of yes. why are we doing this? Uh, but some of the coaches have been great. There have been no. some great moments and I'm not, I'm not putting it on the coaches. Right. It's just that there's only so much you can do. Like I said, the ball goes, goes three legs in the seventh right. inning on ESPN. Right. In the in the Little League World Series. I mean, I, oh, we've seen kids, pitchers who get hit, crying yep. on the mound and stuff yep. like that. It's mm -hmm. too much. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's, it's a lot. It's absolutely a lot. Go play it. I don't have right. a problem playing it. But, but to put it out in the whole public yeah. sphere so that people see it for, for lifetime. Right. It's Well, and to that point, so that's where it would be. That's why I would say, yes, it's not as healthy because yeah. you're putting kids who are not developmentally resilient enough as an adult yet, whether they will be or not. And this could actually be a detriment to their adult development, because if they, you know, they have the ball go through their legs and everyone is like, oh, my God, and you're you lost the game for us or whatever. Now it becomes this plaguing thing on their back of their head forever. Yep. And that changes their life forever. Self-identity. Right. Who they their, are. Their self-worth, their self-identity, yeah. um, their pursuit of long-term life, jo jobs, people, relationships, everything. Which it's, brings us to a question I had it, earlier. Because it can become traumatizing. Sure. Which brings us to a question I had earlier, and then I processed it as you went through talking because it's kind of interesting. And a lot of this perfectionism that we have as adults, yes, I think a lot of it is that we think the spotlights on us too much that yes. everything is about us and we overemphasize yes. how much it relates to us and then as you were talking and talking about childhood i realized because that's how we're brought up yes everything is about us when we're kids well for the it, most part well everything's about us and developmentally we all go through a phase roughly between 12 and 15 well 12 and 17 we'll say that there's there's a phenomenon called the spotlight effect that even without if we had a blank slate and had nothing put on us, we come to that period of like, everybody's looking at us. Yep. We are on the spot. Like yep. people are judging us because we think that what we're doing, like we're looking at everyone else, they're doing it to us too. Yep. Right. Cause you know, it happens, but the spotlight effect is a real thing. And so that developmental piece happens. And then if you have the perfectionistic people pleasing thing in there with it, that intensifies it. And it, creates massive amounts of anxiety. Yeah. That's when I see people with panic disorder because they get into that space of dissociating out of their body and feeling like they can't, they feel so overwhelmed. They can't control what's going on in their life, you know, in the moment that they check out, so to speak. Yeah. So it's, it's um, the spotlight and the spotlight never seems to come off of them right. because they, even if they release from it and say they aren't doing, they're, they're not the superstar, they're not the valedictorian or academically, or they're not going to be the, the D1 person. They still have that, that sitting there. Yeah. It's still underneath them, pressuring them. Yeah. So, so it's, 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 I think it's a very difficult situation um, for kids in general. And then you add in the stress of all the other stuff and coaches and teachers and 
you know, builds resiliency for sure. But also if a kid is coming up through and is vulnerable and doesn't have the resiliency, yeah. it creates, you know, or doesn't have what I remember, I call them the yummy person. They need their yummy person, their emotional yeah. support person. If they don't have one of those, they're more likely going to have more emotional mental health issues. And when I say mental health issues, to clarify that, it's not that they're going to have some labeled disorder, but they're just going to struggle, you know, with themselves. And that's where uh, going back to the beginning of talking about dependent personalities, people are very dependent on others for approval and looking for praise and the add a boy and add a girl. And, but it never fills up the cup enough because it's, it's almost like the person doesn't believe it. Like if I say, Oh, Lou, you did a great job. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's the, well, no, it was no big deal. Kind of, you give me that response. That means yeah. your cup isn't filled by the fact that I gave you the praise because you're poo-pooing it because it's right. You just don't think it's enough. Or as I described with that other job, I don't value the praise. I'm not right. looking for praise. I just, in fact, I want to be anonymous. I want to do the job and go home. You know, I just don't right. want the negativity. Right. You know, exactly. But we, as adults, we don't let go of that spotlight effect no. often and as well as, as well as we should have. And you talked about the yummy person. That's hopefully a partner who is safe space. You you need a safe space. Well, we bring it, okay. we bring that inner child, the wounds. Yep. We'll call them the wounds, the inner child wounds from that all the way through. And if we don't work them out and they don't resolve themselves out as we go through our adolescence and early young adulthood, they just come into our adulthood. And that's, I mean, that's one of the roots, one of the main roots of why people have so much anxiety. Is because the worry about the worry about worry about worry yeah. about what you think I think that you think. Yep. Constantly. Which is why I love my dog. <laughs> this is and this is why I love my cats. Yeah, because you come home and you're you're great to them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Happy at home. Yes. Thanks for the milk bone. Let's go for a walk. Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. and the, and that's the thing about and I've said this before. The thing about pets, our our little our little fur babies, is they give what what we expect from people we get from our pets yep. we get the unconditional positive regard all the time no matter what yep always there's i mean occasionally we get a little swat this morning <laughs> yeah had to take sophie in uh -oh. she had a little nail clippy this morning oh god she was less than pleased yep um but it you know but it's it's uh, but it, the best thing about it is literally like 20 minutes after she got home this morning right yep she was like hi i love you you know, and I'm like, oh, you wanted to kill me an hour ago. Yeah. No, that being right? in the present is huge too. And, and hopefully they teach us that. It's like, all right, you made a mistake. Great. Let's go for a walk. Right. Everything's cool. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, that's the mindset you want. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's why, I mean, I have a client right now that's very specific about like, she does not like people at all. Like she, she's like, I hate, you know, it's always, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's young, she's in her teens, but she's always like, I hate people, but she loves all, she has lots of animals. She's yep. like, I love my animals. And she's, re, she relates and is relatable to, she's into 4-H and she dives, you know, she's going off for the summer to do this big camp down in Florida. Yep. That's all based in animals. Like, cause she, and there's only like 20 kids going. And so it's just, and she's dreading the 19 other kids yeah, right. because, she, but she's there for that whole thing. Exactly what we're talking about. And, Cause she feels, um, we didn't talk about it as a spotlight effect, but she feels that she doesn't have any judgment and the perfectionistic piece drops off of her. Right. And so she feels at ease and relieved. Yeah. And it's amazing. I had a client come in yesterday who's, who's just turned into being a senior this year. And she, when she came in yesterday, she, she was so funny. Cause usually she's like, I can't feel all year long. It's always, I can't feel anything. I'm numb. I can't feel anything. I'm numb. <laughs> I have no feelings. And I'm always like, you do of you course. have feelings. Yeah. Right. Yesterday she came in huge smile and I'm like, Oh, you're feeling today. And she laughed. Cause <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm out of school. <laughs> Cause she's, well, she's yeah. in a private school and the amount of pressure that's on her she'll come in sometimes she's like i didn't do well on a test and it's like oh would you you know i'm thinking here comes a seat oh 91 i'm like yeah you know that yep 91 it's okay but it's not enough and and so what are the expectations she's dealing with right well, i don't know so, whether right. they're self-imposed or exactly. teacher imposed or whatever but right. she has obviously high expectations well she has high expectations and her mom has high expectations and her and one other family member has high expectations of her and she's an athlete and I won't identify it because they yeah. could identify her, but she's a very prominent athlete and, um, and her sport is all based on perfectionism. Okay. Yeah. All. Yeah. 
And so everything, so she, this is like a relief for her. And she'd rather do the sport, but not go to school. Yeah. <laughs> because there's so much social anxiety on her because she has to perform at this level. And private schools don't offer IEPs and um, 504 plans, which are the emotional support plans and the educational plans for people with emotional disabilities or. Right. Right. And she has both. And she's in a private school. So she's flailing a lot academically. So for what I would maybe, or you would study for an hour, she'll study five. And so she's exhausted. Yeah. So she'll, you know, she's like, I have to stay up till two. And as a point of diminished returns right. on that type of work. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I totally, I mean, I totally get that. I have kids that, you know, they want to succeed to the nth degree and they'll be up till, you know, they'll, they'll do their sport after school. And then that will take them till eight or nine o'clock at night. They'll come home, shower, eat dinner and start their homework yeah. and be doing it till one in the morning. And I'm like, this is, this is not, not this yeah. is not sustainable. This is not sustainable. And then get on like four or five hours of sleep and then start all over again. Yeah. And then compete you know, in their sport and their games or whatever they have on Saturdays and Sundays all weekend and then start it over again. And it's, I'm like, this is exhausting. Because it's not even about the schoolwork or the athletics. It's about that routine. Right. Anything less than that routine is imperfect. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny because going back to the spelling bee kid, I just, it just dawned on me because they asked him, so what do you do for fun? Because they were trying to get the poll, you know, yeah. something out of the kid and his response. And it's, it was so, again, so predictable because he's, he is the, he was a consummate perfectionist on mm -hmm. the television. He's like, so I'm thinking, oh, this should be good. You know, because I was like, I yelled out like, here it comes. It's like chess. And of course it came out. He's like, um, I hang with my parents. I read. Uh, I play with, oh, I play the flute. You know, and you know that it's like if he's studying for eight hours yeah. for the spelling bee, that flute isn't, that's the other, yeah. that's the other 20. Well, he's reading his bio is what he's doing. What? He's reading his bio. Yeah. That's what's written there. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. but that's, but that's for how it is for a lot of kids. Yeah. And I see, like, I see a lot of that in my office because I see a lot of athletes and athletes at higher ends of high school and, and rep coming up They're They're at that space yeah. where there's a lot of pressure internal and external on them. And it pushes that dependency for, am I okay? Am I good enough? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and whose need are they filling? You know, and I, I will always ask that, like, is this something you want to do? Thank God it's, you know, in the privacy because kids will not tell in front of their parents anything. But in front of me, typically, yeah. and I don't speak about it to their parents unless there's something wrong. But and I think it's really over the top. But it's usually, you know, that the answers are always somewhat heartbreaking because I yeah. know what's coming. It's, you know, I can't I can't quit or I can't do this because my parents will be mad or my coaches will be upset and. You know, and I have I have an athlete right now that in her sport, her coach, I think I might have mentioned this. Her coach is so intense on her for the pressure that when they're doing their competition, they'll get so anxious that they have actually passed out. Oh, my God. Yep. And we talk about it in terms of like what's going on. In How terms is that of, not the reddest of red flags? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so. It's yeah, it's unhealthy. So we're working on that because I'm like, you can't keep passing out. Not my daughter. You can't be no. hyperventilating to the point where you pass out because what she's doing is she's and she she couldn't verbalize it the way I ended up. And she was like, I ended up verbalizing it for her. But she's like, yes, that's it. But it was the fact that if she does that, there's less grief, like your job example, there's less grief from the coach because then there's something legitimately wrong with her yeah. than if she doesn't win. So if she's coming in a place that's like fifth, but her coach expected to be top three, if she taps out, then she's not in trouble for not being in top three. This is her logic. How twisted is this? Yep. Yeah. It's so unhealthy. Welcome to my job. <laughs> not my daughter. Wouldn't be happening to my daughter. Well, it's interesting because this is, kids will get injured to yeah. tap themselves out. Kids will do that. This is the first sure. for this one, right? Um, there's strategies of like being sick, something hurts. Like there's, uh, there's these hypochondriacal things that happen and you see it. So I reference back to gymnastics. We see it all the time in gymnastics. Like I don't feel good. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, it's going to be some like kind of really hard day at the gym and there's going to be something going on that you're either learning a new skill or you have to throw something, you know, out there that's really scary or difficult. All of a sudden, you know, knee hurts and ankle hurts yep. or something gets broken 
Yeah. For some reason, right? Yeah. Or, you know, or there's a migraine or whatever. Something happens and then it's like, oh. And most, I mean, nowadays, most coaches and most in most sports have to kind of give the release of, okay, you know, you have, you know, not my day. Yeah. Oh, um, you hurt? That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> As Michelle and I've talked about, oh, that's too bad. Suck it up. You know, I know, yeah, it makes you tougher. So I and I think some little balance of that, of course, it is is okay. But I, you know, it's not good when you see it at the extreme levels because it just it reinforces that dependency that if you don't perform, I'm not going to give you any praise. And what do kids want? They want their praise from their parents, their teachers, their coaches. They want love. Yep. Not to be rejected, not to be failed, not to be abandoned, rejected. You know, all those things. Not to be reconciled or accounted for based on your athletic accomplishments right. or your academic accomplishments right. because right. you're supposedly more than that. Right. And but. people who are people pleasers do not, and who are perfectionists do not accept that, that, um, approval. That's the yeah. thing is right. that they don't, that they want it, but they have been conditioned so early on that it's not going to come because no matter what they do, it's not enough. Even when they do get a praise, it just doesn't fill the cup up enough. So how do we deal with this if it's starting to suppress our lives? Like well, we I'm, can't get beyond the need to people please and be perfect. <coughs> so it's really hard. <coughs> excuse me. Fire air. Um, <laughs> I think it's really hard for kids if they don't have a support system around that. Like if it's if it's a coach, it's different. But if they have parents that are really supportive, that's a much more malleable because you can teach the parents how to help them set boundaries and help them give them agency, self-agency mm -hmm. and advocacy skills to be able to set their own boundaries early on. Now that's more rare, but when you get people that are into their middle adolescence, if you see that, right, that's when you can actually teach the skills because the kid now has the ability um, at that point to have some self-awareness um, because usually in little, they just don't understand it. Right. So you have to shape that. Um, but by the time they're almost adults, hopefully they start having self-awareness because usually it's out of the kid's awareness because it's so that's their, that's their default. So they don't understand that that's not the norm. Yeah. Um, and then you teach them how to have good boundaries, um, self-compassion, like it's okay to not be perfect. There is no perfect. What would it feel like not to have the win, um, not to go like when I set goals with my kids or with, with my athletes, for instance, or even academics for kids, I always take out the end goal outcome, the A or the, the win, mm -hmm. the A or the win will come if you have all your other ducks in the row, or if you have three goals, two of them get met your win. It's a win that right. it might not land you at first, but it, it will take the pressure off being at an A or the first place because all those other things are what you're focusing on, which are healthy, and it will it'll automatically, more often than not, end in the win. Um, if we had more of that, that'd be great. It's So I te that's what I teach people in general, even like adults in their business or their family life is, what's your goal? Is it, you know, when people say, I want to be happy, that's an outcome. Mm. That's an outcome yeah. goal, like being getting an A. But what does that look like? How do we get there in the next month? What are we doing to get to happy? You know, I want to exercise more. I want to eat better. I want to, um, you know, tr I want to do a little travel. Something that is enriching to the person's lives to bring them joy. For instance, like everything else, it's a baby step approach, right? Instead of right. the overall overwhelming goal, right? Try to improve something, right? Because when you put the overwhelming big goal out in front mm -hmm. of you it creates the um, the environment for perfectionism because you put the bar so high that you're not going to make it because you have this ideal image of what it's supposed to look like versus, okay, here's what the next step looks like. And here's what the next step looks like, which comes with the self pats, right? It's and, like, oh, I'm, I did that. Okay. Now I'm moving to the next thing. And people overlook that the current situation is the result of a thousand steps that right. led up to it. Right. So, and what you need to understand is the only way to change the future outcomes is the next thousand steps or the yes. next, you know, the next steps you take. Right. Well, and that, and so it's, it's interesting because I think it's interesting that when people are really anxious, you know, and they want to be not anxious as the goal, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I'm always like, well, it, you know, say we have a 40 year old, right. And they say, I say, it took you 40 years to get where you're yeah. at. And I always, I always say, it's not going to take you 40 years to get out. But if you do everything you learned, you have to unlearn 
and relearn something new. If you practice it as much as you practice the old thing, it will happen quickly. So you'll take steps through the forest and then you'll see yep. the trees. And so, because people get really worried, like how long is this going to take? And so as soon as I get that question, I'm always in my head going, this person's going to have the impatience because they want instant gratification and they may tap out. It's a fundamentally wrong concept. Right. It's not a time-based like, thing. Yeah. Time? Yeah. And I'm, so I always go way out. I'm like, couple years and they always look at me like what I'm like well if you do the work diligently and you stay on the course and you do the techniques i give you it will take shorter but you're, you're looking at 40 years or you're looking at 50 or you're looking at 30 years of doing something you know and it's not epiphany like you see on tv no but it does happen quickly if you do the work yeah once when the concepts land things start to change right yeah and they tend to cascade so again there's not one session where you're going to change, right? Like you see on TV, but by the same token, it's quicker than you think, right? Yeah. Well, and it's and it is interesting if there's listeners once you out buy there, in, what once, once you, you buy, buy in, in, right? Yeah, I do have for listeners out there that always want to do like I want to just go to therapy once. <laughs> I do get calls for people that say I would just like to have a quick phone call with you. I don't do that. Right. I I don't know who does. I but just need a few appointments. I don't return yeah. those phone calls, yeah. and they're you know because one they're looking for a consult free. And yep. I don't have time. I mean, you know how busy I am as we go around, yep. around the clock. But also, that's not how that's not how life work goes. You don't do a 10-minute call or a 45-minute call and think it's going to fix itself. And especially if you don't know a person. You can't just be like, oh, yeah. Because people think oftentimes like, oh, I just have like, uh, you know, this problem. The problem is usually not the problem. The right. problem is the, the symptom of the problem. Yep. You know, it's like addiction. Addiction is not the problem. It's the symptoms that lead to the addiction. And then the addiction, you know, we clear the addiction first and then we get to the problem that causes it. So yeah. it's the same thing. But people get this concept of like, oh, I just call and talk to you once. Oh, that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway. Just working through my work. <laughs> no, I'm getting ready to end the show. Yep. All right. So, so I would, I would give the parting words of, you know, we're not looking for perfect. We're looking for your best self. Mm -hmm. And if you feel that you've given your best self, it's always good enough. Always. Yep. Um, and some days you're going to bring it and some days you're not. And still, that's still good enough. And um, anything short of that, I think you can just let go of, get out of your head because you can't rely on other people to gauge you for that. And it's inefficient too, because you cannot change the past. You right. cannot change your outcomes. Right. All you can do is work for the next outcome. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You got it, Lou. All right, you guys. So have a fantastic. I've made a lot of mistakes, so I know how to deal with them. Oh, yeah. Wait, are we done? Yeah. Oh, I like how that was what the doorknob confession right at the end. You throw it in, right? I'm like, oh, closing out the show and yeah. Lou throws in the, I had made a lot of mistakes. Okay. Well, Lou, we'll talk about that more. <laughs> All right. So everyone, thanks for listening and I will see you next week. Have a great week.